Hi, my name is Shlomo Salsa, founder of Purpose Creates Impact, host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where you will find the inspiration to get over your struggles as a teenage kid. I was bullied, had anxiety, depression, had friends pass away, and battled confidence issues for a majority of my life. Whether you have the same issues as me, feel lonely, face challenges in your home or in school, I'm going to be interviewing people who overcame these struggles and provide you with tips on how you can overcome yours. By the end of this episode, I want you to rate and comment on what you think of the podcast. This will allow the podcast to be ranked higher and serve more teenagers. Hello, everyone. This is Shlomo Salsen, host of the Teenage Impact Podcast. And I have a very special guest with me, someone who I truly can relate to. I've been following her for about a year. I have Shinjini Das with me. How are you, Shinjini? Good. How are you? Good. She's a true go-getter. She's empowering people from all around the world. Literally, she just came back from Honduras for a week. She's been speaking in Spanish and inspiring people. She owns a media company, been doing this full-time for about two years now, two or three years? Almost three. Almost three years. And her mission is to really inspire people, help people build content, and get them to the next level. But before she was a CEO, an entrepreneur, before she was a go-getter, she was a shy and not confident kid. She was born in India, she traveled, she lived in Malaysia for a little bit, then moved to New Jersey, then moved to Georgia, then moved to Los Angeles for a little bit. She's been all over the place. And I just read her book, Unapologetically Shinjini. And it's about her story on how she grew up as a very shy kid and didn't talk to people and how she became a go-getter. I'm not going to tell your story. I'm going to let you take it over and tell your story. Thank you, Shlomo. That was beautiful. You summarized it really well and you hit the highlights really well. That's absolutely true. Everything that you said is true. And, um, you know, it's funny because when people see me today, like you're an extrovert, like you're popular, you're beautiful, you're this, you're that. And it's like, I think both of us are testaments to what is possible if we just believe in ourselves. Because, yeah, I don't think it was always like this for sure. Mm hmm. And when you're, so in your book, you said you were born in India and there's a lot of times where you just didn't talk to people at yeah. birthday parties and your parents stopped taking you to birthday parties because yeah. you didn't act the same way that other kids act acted. Can you explain a little bit on, highlight a little bit on that? Yeah, totally, totally. So this is all true. And thank you for yeah purchasing Unapologetic Shinjini Memoir at 26. It's about how becoming a go-getter changed my life, which you can get at unapologeticationjourney.com. It's an ebook. Uh so yeah, totally. I mean, I you know, for me, like that was a very real part of my life where whether you call it social anxiety, whether you call it growing up, whether you just call it like coming out of your shell, whatever. I mean, it wasn't anything like medically diagnosed or anything like that so i don't want to use you know too much of like harsh language was right in the book i didn't i don't think i really called it social anxiety but you know casually i think that wasn't far from the truth you know and uh it um 
it was tough. It was tough, you know, because when these birthday parties, when you're so young and you're so little, like the parents just want to hang out by themselves, right? And they want the three-year-olds to play together and they want the four-year-olds to play together. So the fact that, you know, I didn't do that and like I created problems during that, like it was, it was painful. It was painful for my family for sure. And I still hear about those stories to this day that like, oh, you didn't go inside. We had to be outside the whole time and just, you know, because Indian parents, they take a lot of trouble, you know, for the kids. Whereas like some of my American friends now, like I see they're just like, oh, whatever, like just, you know, leave, leave her outside, leave her, like they're more casual. Whereas mm-hmm. like, like, oh, we're not going to go inside too. You know, you know that. So no, I'm, I'm super grateful to their sacrifices because yeah, it's definitely been a team effort to make sure that I, you know, uh, grew up, uh, not even right, but grew up like socially, uh, you know, able and, and yeah, like normal, but you know, then again, I don't want to be like, Oh, social anxiety is not normal, but it's just one of those things where my whole message is if you work on it, you can win for sure. Absolutely. I love it. And then when you moved to Malaysia, did you try to work on those skills? Yeah. You know, I think I'll be honest. I, I think that's why like these problems were definitely more evident when I was like super young. So like three, four, whereas Malaysia, you know, it's funny. I don't remember like such things. Having said that, I was never openly extroverted. So it wasn't like me and, you know, the, you know, the pictures of the girls where it's like them and 10 other girls, 10, them and 20 girls. Like that was never my life, um, which is why I'm a very proud introvert. You know, I'm, I'm like, that's always how I've been. So in Malaysia, I had my first best friend, you know, I had my first, uh, um, like, just close group of friends. And, and yeah, no, I was very uh, liked by them. You know, I, I uh, you know, hang out with them. I, you know, it was like, it was cool. It was cool for me to, you know, be with them and, and have fun and enjoy and all that. So, no, I don't think it was as much. In mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. But then you moved to New Jersey, which... Yeah. To United States, you probably yeah. didn't know what to expect at nine years old. Yeah. Um, you felt left out, correct? For, for sure. Especially in the beginning. Why did you feel left out? For sure, no. I felt left out because also we moved Shlomo at right at the end of the year, um, which is sort of this weird thing because like why would you do that you know when you literally have two months left of the school year so I think that was sort of a problem and I also moved right when there was a standardized test you know so I had to take that test and also like I don't know if people realize this but America is very different from other countries and the more that I'm traveling internationally now with the U.S. Department of State as you said you know I'm really seeing that you know I'm really really like seeing that uh, because America has this very insular culture which has a way of making everyone who's not like that feel completely unwelcome and like an outsider and frankly like they're intruding you know so for me those initial years in America like that was just that was it every day you know no one really uh, asked me to you know join their circle you know it was always like strange like person from because and also none of them really knew where Malaysia was which I think was sort of a red flag. And to be fair, in, in Malaysia, I didn't know where America was. So I can't really judge, but literally the awareness was so low of diversity and all of that. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was sad. It was definitely sad. And then moreover, the teacher at the time, third grade teacher, 
you know, she said stuff like, why don't you know what a poem is? You know, and my thing is like, I never wrote poems in Malaysia, you know, and she's like, why don't you know what the currency is? And I'm like, I don't know if you know, but like other countries have different currencies, you know, it's just things like that, which again, at the time I consider it's ignorant, but then to be fair, if she, and I don't, and I don't remember this, if this was true or not, but like if she had never left the US, then probably she thinks that every country has the same currency, gotcha. you know, but the fact is there are hundreds of countries that are not the US, you know, so I think it was uh, just an exercise in education and awareness, but it, it was definitely very hard. Having said that fourth grade, which is the second year, uh, right after moving was I would say a lot better uh, and you know the teacher was very nice made me feel very comfortable kids were a lot more diverse and then same with fifth grade and, and then I left mm-hmm. New Jersey in fifth grade. So. Gotcha gotcha and how did you feel when you saw that you might have been different how did yeah. that make you feel? Yeah no I mean I, I think it's uh, it's definitely an interesting awareness and I'll tell you why Shlomo because in Malaysia and I'm, you're also like ethnic so you understand Malaysia we were an expat community so like my friends were all what community? expats so expats okay. so that's like when you're from a different country and you're in a different country like where your family like your dad mom mm-hmm. is working and you're growing up there so like a lot of like diplomats kids are considered expatriates so they're they're from different countries, working in different countries. Not, I mean, immigrant is more of a status. Expat is like a lifestyle kind of thing. So like for us, like my school was paid for in Malaysia, you know, things like that. Whereas like by company, my dad. And so for me, like in Malaysia, I was very used to seeing Indians, Thai, Japanese. I mean, we had mostly Asian, I'll be honest. I, I don't really think I had too many European friends. Um, it was mostly Asia. So for me, I was like, oh, I'm Indian. They're Indian. I mean, so there, there really wasn't this like, oh, I'm so different. Like we were all some part of Asia, you know, in Malaysia. America was when I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like not, not even that, not even that there are no Indians because obviously there were, I was in New Jersey, obviously there were Indians at that time, but all of them were born in America. I think that was the real differentiator because mm-hmm. I mean, 2000 Three in New Jersey, there were a lot of Indians. There still are a lot of Indians. So I, a lot I, of Indians in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, I didn't come in at a time when, like, oh, there was no Indian person in America. That's not my story. Mm-hmm. But none of them were born in India. So I think that was like a little bit of a like, what? Because the point being, when I talked about India, when I talked about Malaysia, when I talked about Asia, none of them understood anything. Mm-hmm. Because their parents growing up, it's not that they were like, oh, don't talk in your language, but I think there was less of an emphasis on India and Asia and more of an emphasis on we're in America now, you know? So I think that was the real divide. It shows you how that made me feel. I mean, I definitely felt different, but one thing about me, you know, I think you see this in the book, I'm, I'm very proud, you know, to be ethnic. I'm very proud to know other languages. So I've never felt ashamed that, oh, I'm brown, I'm not white, you know, I've actually never wanted to be white, you know, and this can be a pull-out quote. Um, I'm serious, I've, I've never wanted to be white. So it's it's not this thing of like, wow, I'm so different, you know, this sucks, but it was definitely this sense of like, how does, how do we, how do we make this work? Because I'm new to America, I don't really know much, I don't really understand a whole lot of like sports and this, and just all, all the conversations, but at the same time, anytime I talk about my past, no one really gets it. So I think that was really the issue. You're proud now, but were you always proud at a very young age? I was 
always a fall. Confidence in you. I was always fresh off the boat. Just very Indian. Very Indian. Like I'm like there's Bollywood and then there's me. Like I embody Bollywood. Like I'm I'm just, I'm obsessed like with the movies, with the music, with the culture. Like I'm 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 so proud. You know, and I got made fun of so much, you know, growing up in an America's a lot of the American like Indian Americans like never watch Bollywood. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's right? I mean all the thing like, singing and dancing, but like for me, you know, it was such a beautiful way of expression i'm like they're singing they're dancing they're you know all these really like beautiful and actually i was watching a movie the other day and i realized that when we think about like media and media culture obviously hollywood has never had indian women like that on screen Uh, and so for me like this indian empowered woman on screen like it really was born through bollywood like if i think about it right like she's singing she's dancing she's beautiful she's talking like that image was for me born through Bollywood like that I, I didn't have any other influence you know where, where else will I find Indian women on screen so I think like I'm, I was always very proud of it you know and I got made fun of a lot right like oh she's Bollywood like we're like we're cooler but I was like no but like I love like I think for me the biggest thing was like but I love this uh-huh. you know so yeah it might be stupid or whatever but I actually really love this so I think that for me was like the saving grace was like I'm, I, I, I truly, even Ashlam, I'm, I'm a, I'm a real fan of India. I'm a real fan of Indian culture. Even when I see other people like wearing, you know, white, whatever, French, wearing sari, I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. And then I'm like, wait, that's mine. So I'm a very like objective lover of what India stands for and what Malaysia stands for. So I think it was easy for me to be like, no, I'm, I'm from there, you know. So that's such a good quality to have, at, especially at a very young age, because. Yeah. When I was growing up, I, I got bullied a lot for, uh, first of all, being Indian and second yeah. of all, being Jewish. Yeah. And I had both ends of the stick where people would bully me. Yeah. And I, as to a certain point, I, I got fed up and I kind of questioned my background, my roots, my religion. I'm super proud now and I brag about it all the time. But it's good that you know it now because yeah. a lot of people, when they get made fun of for something, they try to yeah. be like someone. Yes. Yeah. But you, on the other hand, don't do that. Yes. No, and, and you know, I've never done that. And it, honestly, the reason is a little bit um, sad, but I can, like, reveal it. Frankly, I always thought I was, like, better. You know what I mean? Whether you want to call... And by the way, I got comments for that. Oh, you're elitist. You're a diva. Um, later in life, you're a bitch. But I was like, you know what? Like, just even if you look at my, like, previous pictures, like, always smiling, always hardworking, always, like, I was... Not to be, like, rude, but I was always a cut above everyone. You know, so for me, I'm like, they're like, they're like making fun of me. But I'm like, that's their job. You know, is the, all they do is like make fun of other people and mm-hmm. do all this stuff. Whereas like, I don't belong in that group. So I think for me, I've always held myself to a higher standard. Um, so for me, I was like, no, like I am different. And, you know, I like this. And I, yeah. So I think, boys, it is very different. You know, I, I can't pretend to have experienced the same level of mm-hmm. stuff. Because to be honest, like the girls were pretty, there was a little bit of cattiness in the beginning, but then later fourth grade, fifth grade, to be honest, most of my friends were Indian girls who I'm still in touch with today. So, I mean, they're not going to, why are they going to bully me? I mean, they're Indian girls themselves. So I think there was a little bit of like that common ground. So I I don't think I got hit hit or hurt that badly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And now from New Jersey, you moved out of New Jersey at 11 years old to... Atlanta, was Georgia. Atlanta, yes. Georgia, at 11, that's when you 
pretty much starting middle school. Now, middle school yeah. is uh, one of the toughest years. Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that one. Really. Yeah, you know, and that was exactly two years in America, which, I mean, is nothing, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, you're just, just how long it takes, you know, to, like, learn the culture, learn this. And, and I do want to uh, say that English was not a problem, uh, but because my school in Malaysia was a British school. Having said that, I think the problem was more cultural. So here, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things they say, as you know, are very different from British English. Uh, and then also just vocabulary. So I had those issues, but I don't think the issue was like, I don't understand and I don't speak English, which I also have friends who went through that. And it's, it's really hard, you know, and it, it's, it, it, yeah, I, it is hard. Uh, but again, you can learn, right? Like every day after school, go online, watch tutorials, practice, practice, practice. Like there are ways to overcome any situation like a go-getter. But yeah, so for me, two years in America, Georgia at the time, I, I think that was really a big wake-up call because very, very poor diversity situation um, in the school. And I think even the teacher, there was a lot of like, oh, you know, oh, is she talented and gifted? No, we don't believe it. We don't. But there was just a lot of like, let me, let me just try to like show my power. You People know, told you you weren't talented and gifted? Yeah, because it was like a, a tag for the class, right? Like the class was called tag, talented and gifted. And in order to get into that class, you had to have some, I don't know, signature or whatever from, from that school, from the school that you're coming from. So there was a little bit of discrepancy with them, like this new school being like, oh, no, we didn't get it. Oh, she must not be tag. And then my mom was like, are you kidding me? This is Georgia. And I'm coming from New Jersey, like which is one of the most premier school districts in the nation to Georgia, which frankly, nowhere near what that school district was, you know? So I think my mom was like, what do you mean? She's not tagged. So I think we had a lot of those conflicts. And then this school was the first where like the people just had no idea. Like they're like, where is Malaysia? What's going on? Just really trying to not bully, but they're like, we're not, we're not going to be friends. So I think, and also it worked out well because when I moved, it was the end of fifth grade. So literally, I'm not even joking, a month left of fifth grade. So I, I mean, it was a month, you know, so like I stuck it out for a month, you know, I didn't really have friends, but then I was like, it's a month, whatever. What changed my life, and to this day, I'm like super emotional about it, because also as an introverted kid, as a shy girl, you need more support, you know, in school, you need teachers who are going to just like go out of their way to reach you and not be like, oh, she's not talking, she doesn't get it, you know what I mean, like, you have to really like be there for these like shy kids and also what my best I, th- I think best decision my parents made is they enrolled me in Fulton Science Academy uh, charter school which again not a public school it's a charter school and this was a time it was so formative in my life I went in and even I mean I've, I've always been academically uh talented as far as it's not like oh it was a surprise but the high GPAs right <laughs> high GPA, yeah but I went into the school and literally head down just killed it, Shlomo, like first year, sixth grade. This is, this is my barely third year in America, like barely three years in, in, uh, in America. And uh, killed it, uh, got uh, the, the third, no, got the third highest GPA in the school. Something insane. Like it was like first in the uh, class, Third, it was just insane. It was just, just like straight killed it. Straight killed it. Which, if you think about it, is hard, right? Like you're two or three years in a new country, brand new culture, 
brand new everything and so to get those results like so soon like it was, it was really a moment and then that's when like my streak sort of started academically in the same seventh grade was like awesome eighth grade was the highest gpa in uh, eighth grade so like basically valedictorian graduated valedictorian in middle school and that's when i was asked to give the graduation speech and, and that's when everything uh, changed so mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm proud of that even today like when i think about it i'm like oh shit like that was a very like less time to achieve like you know excellence because it was hard man it was hard which is why like i don't think many people talk about it but moving especially to america as a uh, tween or teen or whatever like it's hard it's hard because uh, my sister moved to america i think at yeah. 12 or yeah. 13 yeah. she barely knew english and yeah. she struggled in school yeah yeah and no, it's she got accepted to the university. They were shocked because her grades weren't all that good. And uh, she was behind some of the other kids. So that's quite of an accomplishment. But did you ever feel social anxiety in middle school and high school? You know what? In middle school, which is why like, I credit this middle school so much because they made me feel so comfortable. And it's so funny because even now, that's, that's who I am. Like if I feel comfortable in the situation if I feel like I'm I'm gonna talk I'm gonna be thing but like the minute I feel unwelcome uncomfortable like I'm, I'm out it's not like I'm not gonna talk it's just I'm, I'm gonna mentally switch off you know but this school I really like took to it you know like a fish to water and I found a great group of friends like great group of friends like this was the first time in my life where we did like the uh birthday parties we did you know movie nights we, like I I literally for the first time what age life, is this uh, like what age yeah. 11 to 14 11 to 14 so around 12 11 years 14. old 12 to 14. 14 is when you started making friends yeah 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 well and, and they were like super like nice to me and we were like seriously it was it was just beautiful and uh, yeah sleepovers like just the the traditional like experience you know and i felt so like with it and no so like for me it was, it was a beautiful time and you said and in the book you mentioned you wanted to be the cool kid yeah i think so i mean i i think let me rephrase that uh oh, the popular kid, not the cool yeah guy. maybe the like more because i think all throughout my life i've yeah i think i think you can say that because all throughout my life i've been sort of niche right science olympiad like science even now people are like oh you were so smart you're so smart i think for me the division was if you're smart you can't be popular right mm-hmm. uh, if you're very nerdy you can't be popular and typically, at least what I saw, the popular girls so people uh, believe. were never the smartest. That, that's mm-hmm. the other thing that made me sort of mad is like, and I think that's when everything started like, you know, I, I started thinking about this a lot. It's like, why can't uh, I, as a third valedictorian, like be the most popular? I want to be clear. It's not because I wanted to fit in because I've never wanted to fit in um, because, again, part of me thought I was better than <laughs> Which, which is not good you shouldn't think that but part of me thought I was like I, I was like too good for like trying to fit in you know but part of me was also like why can't someone like me like girls with values and morals and like a good girl good girl not a bad girl right why can't I be popular right and I think that was like the thing because I think even then Shlomo my goal was frankly I think you, you figure this out my goal has always been influence my goal has always been um you know to, to inspire and all that stuff so like for me it's like it was almost painful to see that like why can't I be popular like am I am I not am I not good enough to be popular like I think that was kind of the thought not that I want to fit in because I want to 
be popular. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And um, just to kind of go to a different topic, you always talk about on your Instagram and Twitter that you've never had a boyfriend and you've never kissed a guy. And (laughs) you... You're comfortable about it now, which is awesome. But are you, were you insecure about it when you were younger? I mean, I think in college was when it really came to service. Because I'll be honest with you, and I think you already realize this. I mean, I've been working my ass off from like day one. I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell that, you know, valedictorian of eighth grade, high school. I mean, I was like head down, you know, AP classes, full ride to Georgia Tech. I mean, it's not easy to get this. You know, and even then it was like one of the most competitive years of all time. So I'll be honest with you, high school, I had no time to even mm-hmm. like think about Didn't even it. think about it. In college, no. it bothered you. No. That's what I'm saying. So in, in, in high school, graduate, my I was like so proud. I was like, holy, like full ride. You mm-hmm. know, we, we literally didn't pay anything for college. Um, meaning, meaning we paid, but then like my internship money and everything, like I actually ended up making money in mm-hmm. college. Uh, so you know, parents were thrilled, landed an amazing job after college. So I was like, this is amazing. Like, I, I really have no uh, problems. But yeah, I think I think in college, because a lot of my friends were in sororities. And part of being in a sorority uh, is, well, I get not every sorority, but at least sororities that my friends were part of is, it's like a crush party, right? So like you yeah. invite a crush, you invite some guy, you invite, and it's like, you know, just, just socializing. And it's not like they were all dating or they all got married or it's just, you know, like that. But I think for me, because, um, I don't know, I was always a little shy, even just like hanging out with guys like that. Like college was when I first started making friends with boys mm-hmm. uh, for the first time, you know, because high of school. Of course, you know, Indian parents don't want um, the opposite yeah, sex. Friends. I mean, not really. My parents were actually never like that. In fact, in Malaysia, Shlomo, my best friend was a guy. Mm-hmm. Like we were always together. And everything. So I don't think that was the case but I just never had opportunities to like be friendly because in my mind I was like I don't talk about cars I don't talk about you know trucks like what what would I talk about with him and that was a real concern like once I was finishing high school and I knew that I was going to college and you know that I went to Georgia Tech which at the time was about 70 75 percent almost 80 percent male Mm -hmm. so I knew that like I would have to talk to guys but then I'm like I don't even know what I would talk about like you can't just talk about like homework the whole time you know like what what and, and I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you not because i'm like oh i'm insecure i want him to like me no but from a just general level of like i literally don't know what to say to him like what would i say you know i think that was a concern because i'm you know you can do like type a like getting it done so i'm like what would i even talk about so anyway so college came and to this i'm very proud of uh, of how well i bloomed socially in college because again First time away from home and I'm the type where I grew up very sheltered you know so I, I never went for camps I never went for like outdoor whatever overnight camps or whatever so yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's like a big deal you know it's like four years you're on a junior dorm alone like it was a big moment for me and for us and uh and I think there was a part of me that was a little bit whatever you want to call it, nervous scared whatever with the boy thing because there it's a lot of boys at Georgia Tech then now it's a little better it's more equal but engineering I mean it's I actually have a fraternity. Um, I'm part of a fraternity, and they have a fraternity in Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, now it's better. Now we're, like, approaching 50-50, but at that time, it was very heavily male. I mean, you know, 2014, 2010, etc. So, um, you know, I think I had to quickly practice how to talk to them as friends. Literally, my goal, Shlomo, like, year one, year two, freshman year, sophomore year, because at that time, same, I was like, I'm head down working. I don't have time to date and 
Yeah, so like that was never my goal, but I was like, at least I just want to learn how to like be friends with guys. Because even then I was like, future boyfriend, we have to start as friends. I, I don't yeah. really want to just, you know, go like, from nothing. Then that was a good experience. That was a very good experience at Georgia Tech. Just like, and I, I started with baby steps, you know, I was like, hey, which by the way, I was still so proud of, I'm still proud of. I was like, hey, let's um, do lunch. Let's do breakfast. And that for me was such a big step mm-hmm. um, because, you know, first of all, to even talk to a boy as a friend level. And then it would just be like him and me eating breakfast, you know? So I think in terms of like teens listening on how to get over um, the opposite gender anxiety, friendship wise, I think friendship wise, it's really easy to start that way and just be like, Hey, like, do you like this? And then slowly, slowly I started realizing like, I am an interesting person and like they, and and genuinely they all really like talking to me. They're like, Oh, you're so passionate. You're so basic. The thing is, what kind of bothered me is um, none of them saw me as anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got that feedback. They were like, oh, we don't see you that way. We don't see you. And like consistently. And again, I was like, I'm too busy. I have so much going on. But there was a part of me that felt a little, um, I think hurt, hurt is a good word, that so I'm not, so I'm, what, what do I appear to you as, you know? Cause, and then, and then I, I asked them and I think, and I think part of it, though, they told me they were like, like you're one of the guys, mm-hmm. you know? So when we started talking and everything, because I think because I'm like, I was loud and, you know, just yeah. energy, not like, uh, not like I love sports because I still had no idea about anything, but I think the, just the energy that I gave off was a lot more um, just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. whereas like a lot of the girls, they were like, oh, you know, <laughs> so they came off as a girl and yes. I came off as a guy which is why guy, guy, if you're straight, that's not going to work, right? So I think that was the thing. But they were like, no, you're amazing and so fun and this and that. So I ended college feeling like, okay, like one goal is definitely met, which is I honestly, Shulman, I can really say this. I graduated with, and, and not just Georgia Tech, so many other like high school that are always really, really good guy friends. Frankly, at some times I felt it was, I had more guy friends that were close. And literally we were like talking on the phone than girlfriends yeah, which, girlfriends. yeah which was a beautiful thing uh, but then my irritation at like 23 24 you know that's when the media discovered me was like why doesn't any of them think of me as like i could be more like that kind of hurt to be honest and, and by the way i've heard this from guys who follow me um mm-hmm. saying like girls have always friend zoned me right and at the beginning i was like oh it's all stupid whatever like focus on yourself you're amazing but like now that i've been through it and i think as a girl being friend zoned I think it's a little bit more rare than a guy being friends with, at least the stories that I read online and everything. It's usually always guys who are friends owned by girls, right? And girls are like, oh, I just see you as a brother. I just see you as a friend. Whereas like for me, they were like, I just see you as a guy. And I think, I think, I, I think that hurt me a little bit because I'm like, again, not that I'm like trying to be your girlfriend right now or I'm trying to, uh, you know, get a boyfriend now, but I was like, I don't know, I'm like 23. And this was, this was after, this was like always after college. And I was like, yeah, I'm 23. And like, at some point, I kind of do want to be thought of as a potential girlfriend. And so, like, maybe I start working on that. And again, I think my perspective even then was, like, not fixed, but, like, let's let's work on this problem and find a solution. But to be fair, Shoma, one thing that I did, which I'm also very proud of, is I never blamed myself. I was like, there is nothing wrong with me. Like, just because they don't see me as a potential girlfriend doesn't mean that I'm lacking. doesn't mean that I'm uh, ugly. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm uh, uh, whatever, not sexy, not what sexual energy, whatever. Like I, I never believed any of that. I was like, there's definitely some packaging work to do to just change up the energy a little bit. But that's it. Cause I know a lot of girls, at least I know, cause they've told me once I like shut my story. I'm like, Oh, I got friend zones. And then they're like, I like just very negative. They were like, I was, I don't know, suicidal. I was this, I was that, like no one liked me. And so I, did not go down any of those paths at all so my thing was more like let me just work on my energy and my fashion. and then you know i looked at my stuff and i was like not that i look like a guy but you know like i never wore dresses like i never not till recently right you said yeah. uh, not until you start going full-time yes that's right that's right yeah well because i think i think i think here's the thing here's the thing and these guys are really sweet and so you know what i really appreciate them for their honesty i think what they were saying is like we don't really feel the feminine energy because if mm-hmm. you think about like attraction and dating and all this stuff, it's like and if you're straight it's masculine energy attracts feminine energy masculine for a straight guy doesn't attract masculine and likewise feminine does not attract feminine so i actually started approaching which i wrote about in the book from a scientific and um, analytical point of view and then i was like you know what they're right like when i think about the vibes that i exuded like they definitely weren't girlfriend vibes mm-hmm. it was like a bud buddy vibe like a bud vibe but to be fair in college that is what i was going for i wasn't trying to be anybody's girlfriend you know um so in a way i was like you can't you so can't you accomplish your goal at, you're right. accomplish your goal in right. college for, as exactly. a more exactly. guy friend but i can totally relate because in high school i um was friend zoned so many times because I didn't, I didn't think any girl would ever like me up until college i started realizing girls liked me and i one thing about talking to a girl well, my friends kind of guided me and taught me a little bit and then just one experience led to another but i hear from you a lot from your post that you should be confident with who you are your yeah. journey yeah you're not a late bloomer you're not late to the show no. you just haven't found the right moment haven't found the right guy haven't found the right girl right. it's just everyone's journey is different and there's right. nothing wrong with that no, totally. And I'll be honest, like, it's so funny to me now because I've been through all that because you probably went through all that. Like now, like when everyone's like, oh my God, you're the perfect girl. Like I start laughing because I'm just like, I'm the same person who like no one looked at that way a few years ago. So like, I think you learn how like in some ways silly, all of it is, you know what I mean? Um, in terms of like, oh, you're the perfect guy. It's all just like, words you know what I mean but like I feel like for me you know I've worked so hard on myself I've definitely worked on my image you know and I and I also don't want to like sound like I'm saying oh if you want to attract a guy just wear a dress but for me because you know I am a fan of feminine energy I'm a fan of like that softness that vibe that just delicateness for me like the dress worked there are some girls who don't wear dresses you know I'm not going to tell her to wear a dress to attract a guy but for me and by the way I didn't do any of this to attract a guy as you know I did all this in the media for the media because I'm like I want that image and everything so but now like all these guys and the one thing they tell me which I'm so proud of they're like I like you because you're not trying to impress me you know you're not trying to um you know what's that word what is it try try so hard you're not trying to try so hard and because a lot of girls do that right oh he's looking let me do this let me do that and i think for me like because of all this like from the media and everything and my tv shows and like 
a lot has happened. Like I, again, I don't have the time to be like, what is he thinking that I would? <laughs> if like, two I, people are compatible, yeah. they're compatible. It's, it's yeah. it. You don't have to. Right, try so it. hard, you know, I work so hard to get him to notice my new dress. Like, I, I honestly don't have time for that now. I just, like, do things. Yeah. So I think we really like that now. And now it's like, yeah, it's a totally different. It's a different game, different but vibe. I will, say, I, will say, I will say, I will say, for everybody listening, I definitely do not want to sound like, because uh, for me, I addressed it as a problem. And by meaning that, what I mean is that like Indian parents, it's like, oh, you're 25, where's your boyfriend? I just want to be clear that if you are looking to attract a potential, you know, sensual, sexual, romantic partner, there are steps that you have to take to get there, especially if you, like me, grew up as a nerd. I just want to be clear because I think for me, what I was so frustrated by is like, and just little things, and I can tell you this, you have a sister, like shopping for my first like adult, like lingerie and bras, like no one like like tells me, like no one says anything. No one showed you anything. It's all like banned, you know? Like, you know, because when you're like, you know, if you have a daughter, you'll see like, like sports bras are just like little, but like when you're an adult woman, like you want to feel it's sexy. Different. No, like no help. And so I'm like going into Victoria's Secret for the first time. I'm struggling my <laughs> eyes out trying to figure out like what I should wear and do that. And like, I just, I just want to, I just want to stand with the struggle of every woman who's trying to feel sexy going, especially from that, not even 19, because at 19, please don't try to feel sexy at 19, but going from that like 22 to 25 when like 25 year old woman like 25 you're no longer a girl you're no longer a child like that was really hard for me like my parents are like no, nothing literally because honestly i was scared that they were gonna like find these bras and they're gonna be like what is this because <laughs> it's just you're not like you're not almost you're not allowed you're not allowed to wear a push-up bra you're not allowed to you know wear a bra with lace and like old like i, I mean i just bought two but again like freaking like 50 60 dollar bras but you know, yeah, they have lace, they have this, and like they make me feel sexy. And like I was worried of what my you know parents would say, and just things like that. Where I just I want to say that like feeling sexy, it takes work. And for me, like I can, it's not like I look so different now, but like you can see that my energy is like on point now. It's Whereas before, like, kind of like not even sure, I kind of just like oh, a little inhibited. But now I'm just like this is who I am take it or leave it and i think especially men who are like ambitious and have a goal like they they get that i love it i love it let's rewind a little bit to the upcoming um to the point where you realize that public speaking is your strength yeah and that it's not only your strength you enjoy it yes it was around what 14 15 years old you entered your first speech competition 14. yeah so 14 i was discovered in eighth grade and told to be the uh, eighth grade graduation speaker 15 was my first competition 15 and you won several speech competitions yeah yeah so even that was like super fresh almost so 15 was my literally first time ever it might have been i'm trying to think no it was i think it was 15 it was after january yeah it was 15 15 years old at 16, I was the state champion, and I have the trophy right there. So again, a year. Like, just I just I want everybody to recognize because look, winning is fun, but what I want everybody to realize is like how much work. Loved it too. <laughs> Between that one year, first time ever speaking, never been trained, and you were um, shy. And I was shy. Like, just think about the effort it takes to do that, you know. So again, head down, working. Um, but yeah, one year, one state. 
championship. And then at 17, I was a top 10 national finalist. That's amazing because I teach public speaking to teenage yeah. kids. I just got done with a program. Yeah. And a lot of kids, they talk. They're social with other people. Yeah. As soon as I put them on a stage of just... Yeah, yeah. They yeah. would not give a speech. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're allowed, you interrupt my class, but when I tell you to give a speech, yeah. you just wouldn't do it. And it's just, yeah. it's kind of different that you went from an introvert, shy kid to almost national championship. Yeah. I think that's incredible. Yeah. And it took a lot of hard work, totally. a lot of education. Yeah, because I think you enjoyed it too, correct? Well, I was what? You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved it. Because I I think when, I mean, I had like 20 plus competitions in high school. I'm I'm just giving you the highlights, but in between the like national state champion and all, like there were like 10, you know, in between. Mm -hmm. So like 20 total. So I don't think that you can do that. And these were so, these were like full on like Saturdays. Like literally, I still remember, woke up at 5 a.m. Uh, competition started at 8 a.m. Competition ended at 8 p.m. Awards went till 11 p.m. So, like, it's literally what that's 12, that's like 20 hour days, like easy, you know, um, at 15, at 16. So, like, you, you have to enjoy it. Like, there's no way that someone could force you to do that because it, it's just too long. And I mean, that's just the competition. I had to study and prepare before. Afterwards, I was like debriefing of, okay, like I won, but like, what could I have done better? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot. And, and then, that's like aside from school. And know? then you realized, um, but how did you realize that you had talent? Was it that you won a competition or did you just start speaking? Were you nervous when you first started? No, no. I mean, here's the thing. So one thing about me, I'm very, and I think you see this in my content, my tweets, uh-huh. like I'm very truth conscious. So a lot of the things that I say, it's like universal, you know, integrity is good. Lying is bad. You know, just very, I'm a very like, I'm trying to just get us back to our roots. Realist. Back to like where we come from. You know what I mean? Like I, that's what you say. Immigrants make America great. Like just, just universal things, which some people might say, oh, it's is silly, but Again, no one is really saying any of this stuff. So which is why like my content is standing out. And so for me, even then, yes, I'm shy. Yes, I'm all these things. But when I took the mic, you know, that was me. I was like, God, like, thank you. Let's spread truth. You weren't like, focused on yourself. You were right. focused on the message. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's. I best. know exactly how you feel. And because I, my, my, my first speech was about how we shouldn't stereotype, which again, mm-hmm. like I was so like angry of like, oh, why are people stereotyped? Like I was focused on the issue, you know? And then the second speech was about like uh, young people should get involved in government. And like, it wasn't like me, da, 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 I'm here. it was like, no, like it's so wrong that like all these young people over 18 are not even voting. And by that time I wasn't even an American citizen and I'm like giving a speech about American government. So like for me, I was very fascinated and uh, trying to move the needle on some things and, and again, share truth. Yeah, because I think for me, it just hurts me and pains me to see so many people struggling. They don't have enough money. They don't do this. And I'm like, actually, you guys, I don't know if you get this, but the solution is so simple. So let me tell you what the solution is. And I think that was part of my mission. Because even now, like I'm looking back at my Honduras thing and I'm like, holy shit, like we literally have like stadiums, like baby stadiums, 300 people. I mean, that's a lot of people. Like there are comedians who host tours with 300 people who have Netflix specials, like 300 people is not like no people, you know? Um, so for me, the fact that some 330, 340 people came out in a new country, 
they didn't even know who I was. They just saw the topic and they were like, I'm interested in digital branding and digital entrepreneurship. Like to me, like what I'm saying is when I look back at the videos and I'm like, holy shit, I did that. But it was because again, I just want them to use digital to make money. I mean, some of them are straight poverty, you know? So if this can uplift their economic situation, like that's a beautiful thing. You know, absolutely, so, absolutely. I, I love it. And yeah. you gave a commencement speech as well, right? Yeah, that was another struggle. I mean, struggle. You know, walked Georgia into Georgia Tech. Tech. Is, uh, one, for those who don't know Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech University is one of the top engineering schools. Yeah. Schools yeah. in the country. Yeah. And gave a commencement speech in front of how many people? 10,000. 10,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, but even then, Shlomo, it was a struggle. I mean, I don't, I didn't know a single non-white girl who had done it before me. I mean, I'm, I just, I'm trying to paint you the backstory because I think you're when paving you, the way. Right when you look at like, you know, accomplishments, you're like, everything is great, right? And it's mm-hmm. just like, at every step, like that was my life. And that has been my life. You know? Let's let's talk about everyone, every woman or every guy who's self-conscious, who possibly came from a different country, who is an introvert, who has social anxiety, maybe he's never had a girlfriend or boyfriend in their life, that's very self-conscious about themselves. What tips do you have for them? You will be the best ever in bed. (laughs) Because, now I'm telling you why, because all of that pent up like energy and everything, because you know yourself so well, that you have much higher self-awareness than the average person. And it's funny because that's exactly how I feel today is all these girls and all who are like so experienced, but like I look at them and I'm like, I am so fresh and I'm so like, like unjaded mm-hmm. because of the self-awareness, whereas they're way more experienced, but like I can guarantee you that I'm going to just be a lot more fulfilled in all ways. Because you're happy with yourself. Exactly. Because a lot of girls, you know, they're doing a lot of random stuff to make themselves feel better. So what I'm asking you to do is to invest in yourself so that you feel better about yourself because of who you are. You Mm -hmm. know, and that's the difference. So yeah, what I want to tell them on a serious note, I think, you know, is to be a go-getter, you know, is to literally just go out and and get your goals. And let's, let's talk about the effort that it takes to get a goal done now let's talk about the effort that it takes to accomplish something special and meaningful and more importantly let's talk about the consistency and effort that it takes to get something done. because i don't know if um you you remember this from the book but future business leaders of america i was the top 10 national finalist as a senior so at 17 the first time that i competed at the state level i didn't place at all literally mm-hmm. nothing so not first not second not fifth like not tenth zero nothing I was like, wow, that's like, because at that point, like I was winning everything. So like, that was a huge blow. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Because I knew that like, that was pretty much my only shot, like winning that. And then my only shot at going to the national level as a 17 year old, uh, eventually went back home, figured out it was okay. If year one, you know, this state didn't work out. Second year, I worked, I still remember so long, I worked so hard trying to perfect the content because there there's a there was a certain message that they wanted to hear you know mm-hmm. what i mean like, i don't want to sound like any of these kind of like a toastmasters when i competed right, 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 right. Structure, they had a judging material a judging 
criteria yeah. and like, okay, hand gestures, vocal variety, eye, eye contact, body movement, like yeah. they hit all those different points. Totally. And it's not just like whatever you want to say, like you have to cater your content to their rubric, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, I worked so hard second year, first place, first place in this and that's what got me to the national level. So I just want everybody watching this and listening, you know, go-getters, Let's talk about the effort that it takes to go get your goals. Let's talk about the hard work that it takes. Because I'm, I'm frankly tired of talking about the fluff. You know, oh, you won. Oh, you did this. Oh, you have a business. Oh, and it's like you're not, you're not honoring my story by not talking about the, like literally commencement speaker, like 15 to 20 emails that it took for me to even know what the deadline was to apply. Because like this is such a selective thing that even the posters for commencement speaker are posted in like two places in the whole school. So I was like, I don't even know where they are. So I mean, just little, little things like that. And then they were like, Oh, here's the deadline. I was like, great. So I did it, walked out and I was like, Hey, so where, when do we find out? And just at every point, you know, there've been just real, real roadblocks. And again, mostly guys who applied with me, I mean, Georgia tech, it's, you know, the, the speaker is a reflection of the student body. Right. So, I mean, at every point I've had to not even uh, fight, but I've had to fight and beat, you know, people to get what I got, you know, so let's, let's talk about that. You know, let's not talk about just the end goal. Mm-hmm. So for any, anyone that's watching, what she's saying is if you're not fulfilled with yourself, you're not going to be fulfilled with someone else. Yeah, that's right. That is right. That's Make right. a fulfillment of yourself by going after something you're truly passionate about. Yeah. You're passionate about something, go work your butt off for it. Yeah. It's not totally. going to come easy. It takes a lot of consistency, hard work, and persistence. Totally. And I think what happens to them is when you do that, you automatically, because over the past few years, I've gotten the uh, message that you look happier. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, because I am happier. So I think what happens is when you do that, and like for me, I left, you know, two jobs and I left, I mean, just a lot has happened in these last five years since graduating that I think, you know, I, I'm so grateful now. I'm so happy now, like hearing things like a girl in Honduras saying that like, because of you, now I'm going to actually chase my dream of becoming a doctor because now I see that it's possible. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That you know, that's awesome. Yeah. That beats yeah. anything. Yeah, that beats anything. So for me, like I, I am happier. And so what I'm trying to say is once you follow this amazing lit path for you, like you are actually going to become sexier. You're going to become more passionate. You're going to become happier because you are sexier because you are happier and because you are more confident. Like I'm not putting on an act. No. You know what I mean? Like this, I am happier. I am more confident. I am sexier. These are all like facts Whereas I think before I'm like, how do you get sexy? Like, how do you get confident? And it was like this, like, you know, undertaking. But now it's like, it's real because I'm I'm doing the work. I love it. I love it. Do you have any other tips, Shinjini? Any other tips? The biggest thing, uh, write your goals down. I think that's a big one. Write your goals down and 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 please make them achievable goals on a daily basis because saying things like, I want to learn English by tomorrow is just not feasible like it's not like you suck right which on the ice it's just it's not possible right i want to make a million dollars tomorrow like again that's just for most of us not feasible so if we can just instead of a million if i can say i want to make a thousand dollars by tomorrow that's probably more realistic 
right? So I think a big thing that a lot of you know people I know, they're setting these just crazy goals and then they're getting so disappointed that they're not becoming a doctor in a year. And I'm like, that's not possible. You know, so I think that's one part of it. And then the other part is just consistently monitoring progress because the other biggest complaint that I hear is I don't know if I'm growing. Like I'm doing all this stuff and I'm like, what are your metrics? What like let let's measure growth on a daily basis. You measure you you weigh yourself, you measure your blood pressure, you measure let's measure our progress on these four goals that I write, you know, every day and, and let's do that. You know, because I'm just, my thing is like, I'm just tired of hearing excuses. Because mm-hmm. when I hear, I don't know what, I don't, I feel like I'm growing. I'm like, yeah, because you, you probably don't know anything to measure. Like, that, like you have to first figure out what your goals are, what your metrics are, and then measure those damn metrics. Like, it's not like. Rockets. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're not achieving it, then pivot. Right. Pivot and or figure out like, why am I not achieving? I mean, that's something that I do all the time, Shlomo, is why is this not working? Part one is it's my fault. Part two is that there's some inherent problem in the process or in the machinery or in the whatever. And so like, I, th- I think that's a huge exercise is like, why am I not achieving my goal? Oh, this is why. And then it's up to you. Do you want to change your process? Do you want to change your goal? You know what I mean? But I think I want to see more thought and I want to see more intention and I want to see less uh, just ex- you know, excuses. Cause literally right now I wrote, you know, all you need is like Wi-Fi and a dream. Mm-hmm. Immediately one girl is like, how do you make money with Wi-Fi? And I was like, cause my thing is I can guarantee you Shlomo that she follows all the singers, all the YouTubers, all the, the how are they making money? So I'm, I'm asking her, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you, I want you to answer yourself. So I told her, I said, who do you follow online? She hasn't replied yet, but she's probably going to say like, Oh, make up a influencer. I'm like, great. What do they do? They make up. What YouTubers? Great. What is a YouTuber? Okay, so you upload videos and you get views. Great. How are views monetized? Ads. Great. Like I want them to come to this conclusion because to me it's very irritating when I hear stuff like, "How do you make money through Wi-Fi? How do I sell my book? No one's buying it." I was like, "No shit," because no one knows who you are. I mean, is it like if you makes sense? Yeah, if you just break stuff down, like it actually becomes very easy. Whereas like, I'll, I'll tell you for me, the struggle right now is like scale. So book sales going great, but I'm trying to do like a hundred a day now. Like I'm trying to sell a hundred units a day. So in my mind, I was like, okay, so clearly I'm not reaching that. I'm, I'm like at like 10. I'm like, okay, so if I have to go from 10 to a hundred, I, whatever, I'm like DMing people. Great. Like the people love me. All of them will be like, oh, you're so great. So positive. So I'm like, okay, so what's the gap? Is That's it how a- you got my book sale. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's I mean, how you got my like- book sale. You DM me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the only thing I'm doing now because everyone's like, where's the website? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, you have to start personalization first. You can't just be like, go to my website. Here's the link. Like, I, like we have to build a relationship first. Uh-huh. You know? So I'm not doing that now. So, so my thing is, like, if I want to sell 100, what do I have to do? Okay, so I have to get people to love me like me. And they do. They're like, oh, I love you. Da, da, da. Buy the book. Great. So is the problem they don't have money? Is the problem they don't use a credit card? Is it, so I'm I'm keeping a list of all the like problems, but then I'm also like, well, part of the solution is also you need to DM five thousand people a day to get a hundred sales, right? So and I'll be honest, I've never done that. I've never DM'd that many people. So I think for me that is a great uh, area of opportunity. You know, because my thing is I can't fix if they don't have a credit card, I can't fix that, right? If they are very poor, I also can't fix that. 
you know, if they don't have any money, I also can't fix that. So none of those are problems worth me uh, crying over. A, B, trying to fix, because I, I can't fix any of those. But what I can fix, I can definitely reach out to more people. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of my thing. Because I'll be honest, like my like spot sale, where literally the dude or girl is like buying, like, it's not bad. I would say it's like easily two to 5%, which is really huge. So like people are doing it. It's just right now the volume, you know, because I mean, I'm, if I do 100 a day, that's like almost 1200 a day, which is like very healthy. You're going to do it. I believe I it. So. I, I'm close. I, I, I believe it. I believe it. There's so many people. now. That's another thing. Uh, we have to believe. And, and uh, there's a lot of people out there that just don't believe in the process. Yeah. And they want every, like you said, they uh, make these unrealistic goals. They don't achieve them. They give up. But you have to trust the process. You have to believe that it's going to happen one day. It might yes. not happen on your clock, yes. but it's going to happen on God's clock. So, yeah. or whatever you believe in, it's going to happen. You just, totally. just keep on going. And you might pivot and another goal will come out of it. Totally. Well, then I also want to end with this because I know we're, we're probably uh, wrapping up and we, we need to go. Well, I expected uh, 30 minutes. This happened like an hour. <laughs> Dude, but I'm, but I'm saying like, I also think one thing that everybody needs to do who's listening and is going to watch is, uh, you know, I, I want you to be in control of your life. Because I think too many people I know, very high achieving, Georgia Tech graduates, doctors, engineers, they're always at somebody else's mercy. They're like, oh, I hope the medical board accepts me. I hope uh, Georgia Tech accepts me. Like, I think I'm now of the mindset where I'm like, I decide where I'm going to go to school. I decide if I want to be a doctor. Like, it's my choice. And I think fundamentally, Shlomo, it's a very different, A, feeling, B, it's a very different shift. Because what happens is I am no longer 24 by 7 desperate, number one. Number two, I'm also consistently in a position to choose. I can, right now, like literally today, Shlomo, I can choose where I want to speak. I can choose who I want to block on social media, I can choose what guy I want to go out with and what guy I don't want to go out with. And I think that is because I've always put the power in my hand. Whereas I feel like 99% of people I know, very high achieving. I'm not saying these are like, they've never had a role model. I'm saying like, like Georgia Tech, Yale, like really always thinking about, I hope Yale accepts me. I hope my dad is proud of me. I hope my mom loves me. Like, whereas now I'm like, my dad better be proud of me. You know what I mean? Like my, my perspective has changed now to where I'm like, I'm tired of consistently giving up power. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's in your hands. It's in my hands. Hmm. And, I, and I think people see that now, like in my, just everything in my, in my, just how I talk, how I walk, they see that I don't give up because I don't, because I don't, you know what I mean? I love it. I love it. Shinjini, where can people find you? Yes, I'm at Speaker Shinjini. That's S-P-E-A-K-E-R-S-H-I-N-J-I-N-I on all six platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, and, and uh, it, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube. Wow, you're everywhere. <laughs> and everywhere. Uh, buy her book too. Yes. Memoir at 26, ebook, Becoming a Go-Getter Changed My Life, and it's called Unapologetically Shinjini unapologeticallyshinjini.com I love it and for my followers go ahead if you haven't done so if you're tuning in for the first time subscribe yes. rate and review I really want to influence as many teenagers as yeah. possible 
Awesome. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Peace. Thank you.